Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app today to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Hey, friends, happy holidays, and thanks so much for making 2017 a great year for the uh, Bill Press Show. Of course, we're taking the week off, but we wanted to bring you some of our favorite interviews from 2017, along with some very special programming that I and our team have put together for all of you to enjoy during this Christmas holiday. We certainly hope 2017 was a big year of resistance for all of you, and we wish you a happy new year and promise we will keep the resistance alive with your help during 2018. Giving you everything you need to fight the Trump administration. This is The Bill Press Show. Live at YouTube.com slash The Bill Press Show. It is The Bill Press Show. Thank you, everybody, for watching and tuning in this, the week after Christmas. We are not live. We are on tape. And we are taking a moment to look back at some of the biggest, most important stories of the year with some of our favorite guests. And uh, we're doing that right now with some of my favorite sports reporters here that you've seen on the Bill Press Show. Uh, first of all, Tyler Ricky Tynes from SB Nation. Tyler, how you doing? It was good. Thank you for coming in. Yeah. Uh, Lindsey Gibbs from Think Progress. Thank you, Lindsey. Thanks for having me. And uh, our buddy Travis Waldron from the Huffington Post. Thank you, all of you, for coming That's in. That's wild. You see what white men get? He your buddy already. That's crazy. That's <laughs> <It's> crazy. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's an interesting place to start, Tyler, because I think that, you know, we talk about sports on the show often, and we talk a lot about how race plays into uh, uh, the sports world. And I don't think that I can remember a year that race has been so important in the sports world as this year when you look specifically at Colin Kaepernick. And we're going to spend a large chunk of the time here talking about Colin Kaepernick. we got other stuff we want to talk about. But I want to start out talking about Colin Kaepernick. And I want to kind of get each of your uh, perspectives here on what he has meant to the sports world uh, across the board this year. Uh, Tyler, we'll start with you. I mean, he's been dope, right? Like, the, the the thing we don't really understand about Colin Kaepernick is the depth of where he is and what he's done. It's not just the fact that he kneeled in front of some white people and they got mad and this has become about the flag. Okay, that's cool, right? But if we can take that a step further, he's given a million dollars to charity. He's become an international figure and a pariah at the same time. He's helped move policy in a way that in a decade of Black Lives Mattering, or at least, you know, mattering kind of out here in the macro yeah. sense, that we're deciding to bring this back into the sports realm and it's following a lineage of history that we've always done where black athletes have always been the moral consciousness of America. So we should have expected this moment to come to sports, but we don't know enough about ourselves, enough about how we kind of change the messaging of black protest to think that it would come here and be so robust because of where kind of um, football is and, and what we've made football to become in this country. So he's done everything. He's done everything. On that point of, of black protest, right? Like, 
black protesters will never get it right in the in the eyes of a lot of white people, right? Like I, I'd have to. I mean, if we are. We shouldn't be still protesting, right? <laughs> right. I got other like, stuff to do. But it's like, <laughs> it's like, you know, don't be, you know, don't speak out about this too loudly, or uh, be quiet about it and make a make a smaller gesture. Like there have been uh, the many different ranges of protest, and none of them have been okay in the eyes of a lot of people. White people don't generally rock with black people. I mean, as we've kind of seen as like the thing that keeps the state upright for, I don't know, the entire history of our country. We, we don't rock with non-white men mostly in this country. Right. Yeah. So it makes sense that white people and white consumers who absorb football and sports have over our history always been agitated when black people cannot depict themselves as grateful. So because of that, we have to keep protesting and it has to come in different ways as to come in either, you know, macro ways of criminal justice reform or police brutality or systemic injustice or a plethora of things that keep black people indentured after slavery has already been abolished on paper. So, I mean, we ain't going nowhere. We still got work to do. So the fact that Colin Kaepernick kind of became the symbol for all of this, at least in the athletic realm, is is positive and it's promising. I don't want that to 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 misconstrue the fact that we've won something. Because we didn't. Right. We didn't. This is the same song and dance, the cyclical thing that we do every single time. And people assumed in September when the massive protests came to the NFL that we had won something when it was only a minority of players. And the messages were changed within 24 hours. And the president did a gloat all the way from September to November. We didn't win anything at all. So we still have work to do. And I don't want that to be misconstrued. We're going to come back to the, what you just mentioned about the president there in, in just a while. But He's Lindsay, real dope, Peter. <laughs> <laughs> Lindsay, I, I want to ask you as we as we examine the ripples that have sort of generated out of the Colin Kaepernick situation, uh, what impact that has had on sports that, that you've seen? For me, the most interesting thing is to be is to see how this has trickled to the grassroots level. And I think that has been left out of this conversation a lot. Because football is something that is happening in every single town around America on Friday nights during the fall, there are you know, young people, there are high school players, there are college players who are on, in, on these football teams who started taking a knee. And that sparked conversations in these small towns and bigger cities all across America. Um, I spent time with a high school football team in Seattle that was that had protested all together and you know talking to them about what that protest had meant in their lives um for the players the black players especially but also the white players who learned a lot about racism that they didn't know despite the fact that they had played with these you know they obviously should have known but that is what we're not going to see the impact of that for years to come right because these these teenagers um, and younger even are having these tough conversations, are learning from their peers. This is giving them a platform to figure out how to find their voice, how to get involved in their communities and and how to fight back and how to be comfortable fighting back. And that that's really impactful. And I think we're we're just we're not going to see the impact of that for years, but it's going to matter more than I think this any one hundred million dollar settlement or whatever the NFL is doing. Uh, Travis Waldron from Huffington Post also with us. Uh, your thoughts on Colin Kaepernick in the year 2017? Well, the most fascinating thing is that Colin Kaepernick hasn't actually been an athlete in 2017. <laughs> yeah, um, remarkable. You know, uh, there's a there's so many layers to this. I think one of the things I, uh, I'm I'm disappointed in a lot of ways in the white NFL players. Yeah. Um, 
they they had this opportunity to you know we we hear all this about the NFL and brotherhood and all this stuff and they had an opportunity to listen to their teammates because uh, it wasn't just Colin Kaepernick it was Eric Reed and it was uh, Malcolm Jenkins and I mean there were p- people on almost every team and the the white athletes aside from what Chris Long and was there was a punter in Cleveland yeah, and to them. a few others and they you know they, it. it we didn't see it. We didn't see. Maybe that I know they have these conversations in the locker room. You can talk to they NFL players, to. yeah. Mm-hmm. And you know these guys, they're they're portrayed as dumb jocks who don't, you know, football on, football off. Uh, but they they have these conversations. They talk about these things, and just I, I wouldn't say I'm shocked that white players haven't joined in or stood up or said more. I, I, as Tyler said, white people in general generally don't get down with these things, yeah. but. I, I I do think it is disappointing that we haven't seen more from j- aside from Chris Long. Uh, on the other side, though, I, I think it's it you know it's fascinating to me having written about this, and you get the same replies over and over and over again. Is why don't they do something? Why don't they? And it's like, well, they are. They've yeah. done. You know, these guys have done everything. You know, we get these replies that are like, they should run for office and they should advocate for change and they should meet with people. And these guys are out here meeting with like state attorneys general and prosecutors and local community organizations. Colin Kaepernick, as he mentioned, has donated a million dollars. So much and, of his time and money. And has right? said, you know, said recently that he's whether or not he ever gets back in the NFL. He's going to continue using his voice, and he doesn't need their platform. And I think that's maybe the the most fascinating thing about Kaepernick is having not had the NFL's platform for the last year. Yeah. He has still stayed in the conversation and stayed in our consciousness and, and is still creating or trying to create change. And hopefully some people will actually start to listen to him. So I, I want to I, I want to ask all of you sort of the role of the ally in this situation, right? Like, and, it's, and it obviously is a lot bigger than Colin Kaepernick, but you know, I, I saw I think that the perfect encapsulation of this was Newt Gingrich, for whatever reason they had him on Fox News. Shout out Newt! Shout out Newt! <laughs> to talk about this situation, which he has no leg to stand on in this. Again, shout out Newt in this story. But he's, he just flat out said, we pay these men enough money, they should just be happy with the money and shut up. Yeah. And that, to me, I like that, is speaking for- It's my favorite song. A lot of white sports fans. And I think it's really pretty terrible. It's so white dope. people, not white sports Yeah, I should fans. say white sports fans. White I mean, people. Yeah. White yeah. people. Yeah. 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 We pay you enough money, boy. So yeah. Shut up and play, the, and play sports. It, it, it goes back to what Tyler mentioned in terms of uh, you know, not having won anything. Every minuscule gain yeah. that black people have made in this country has been has been at the expense of, well, what, don't you have enough? Yeah. Don't you have, aren't you, shouldn't you be grateful? I mean, and, and this is, the sports conversation makes that even worse because they they make so much money but it and you hear this from people saying well you know just be rich and happy but you look at you know Anquan Bolden's cousin got shot by the, a cop Warwick Dunn got pulled over because he looked like a drug dealer you know these guys they, they don't stop being black men in America because they make it to the NFL yeah and a professional athlete in the NBA definitely got his got right. his leg broken. Young Thabo. And also, you don't like you don't just because you become a, a a famous athlete doesn't mean you stop being a citizen of the United States. Ask LeBron. 
Right. Yeah. Well, and it's what some said. It's not like we listen to poor people either. Right. So right. it's like, right. why, you know, it, right. it, there's no way to win here. And I should say that the WNBA players have done a lot of the leading on this protest. And uh, they make about $50,000 a yeah. season yeah. and have gotten the same criticism. And if you look at their mentions when they take a knee, and if you talk about allies, um, last fall you did have a lot of WNBA teams as a whole, white players and black players, kneeling together. Uh, even in the playoffs, it was uh, during Tamika Catching's last game at Indiana. They all took a took a knee during the national anthem. Um, it was a playoff game. So you've seen a lot of the female athletes. Megan Rapinoe, of course, is a great example as well yeah. in U.S. soccer, who have been able to, um, you know, to stand up. But it has been incredibly disappointing on the NFL level that that hasn't continued. I, I want to play a clip. This is from the president of the United States, Donald Trump. My guy. I think. I think talk about songs you love to hear uh this is a one of his greatest hits from 2017 this really launched the country into a nationwide fever about the anthem protest wouldn't you love to see one of these nfl owners when somebody disrespects our flag to say get that son of a bitch off the field right now out he's fired he's fired so I don't really know where to go from there other than to just say, like, that launched the country into, I mean, if you didn't care about it before then, you cared about it after that. I mean, I think that's actually a piece of the problem, too, right? Like, we're kind of living in this moment where there are so many white people who are still, like, kind of fakely, kind of really incensed that Donald Trump is president. That's sure. like, like let's, let's put that over here. Like, that's kind of dope, right? Yeah. This has launched this kind of resistance movement of white people who are kind of incensed that a demagogue and a racist and a liar and a man who wants to uplift white Christian hegemony to be the upbringing of the state to be the best thing in America like it already wasn't. Dope. Okay, that's right here. So... You get these same white people who are now incensed at a moment instead of incensed all the time. You ask yourself about allies, and allyship is kind of being there all the time. It's kind of being there when you least expect it. It's not kind of being there when it's getting hot on Twitter. You're like, ooh, I'm about to get these retweets (laughs) off for for my resistance moms. You know what I mean? Like, it's, it's it's not dope, right? Like, it's only cool in a certain vacuum. And you can look at the same thing in the NFL. So we kind of say, oh, my God, it's so dope. Chris Long's putting his hand on Malcolm Jenkins' shoulder. No, it's not dope is corny it's cowardice you, if, if you're white and you have the power to reverse racism because you made racism and you actually won't take a stand with people that you're considering your brothers you are as much of a coward as the demagogue who is positing this this racial image this is an issue but yeah i mean we we're white in our media circles and we're white on twitter and we're white in the people that care about these things in bulk so we never would have enough courage to actually poke a hole in that status quo that's the problem the problem isn't that donald trump gave a, a fire torch to everybody who might actually be angry about a thing from a year ago the problem is that anybody who is really left of center or even center and moderate is like oh my god this is a problem and then a month later, it stopped being a problem. But it's never going to not be a problem if you actually have to be the oppressed in the version of the oppressor. Like, we, there is an issue in this country with systemic racism, police brutality, and so many other things that make people of color the enemy to the state. And we've decided to care about it for a few months after a dude a lot of us don't like became president. And the thing that we forget is that every single white person in every single economic bracket, well, not every single, I'm sorry, but like every single white economic bracket. <laughs> 
voted for Donald Trump. I like how Tyler just not all white people himself. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm, and I'm mad at myself. I'm mad at myself, really. But I'm at least going to be a little fair. I was just going to let him go. Yeah. I was going to let it rock. That's why I rock fast. But I'm, I'm, I'm at least be fair to the other whites. Shout out to y'all other whites. You know what I mean? But like, if every white economic bracket in America voted for Donald Trump, we have to understand that this is not just piecemeal. Yeah. We gonna still. We've been talking about this it's same exact thing forever. This, Donald Trump isn't new. He ain't right. new at all. Right. This right. isn't like uh, even even just in the context of using a sports figure to oppress black people. Donald Trump is merely an extension of American history. Donald Trump is the this pop version of racism. This like, has been. This yeah. has God. Been, that is so well said. Donald Trump is, is it getting all these top forty hits off yeah, racism right. back. Like it's but dope. This is this has been <laughs> yeah. happening. I mean, like Jack Johnson and black boxers became and became an avatar of black menace. Mm-hmm. They were used to pass oh, they, I mean, literally in Congress, after Jack Johnson became the first black heavyweight champion, there was a there was a push for an anti miscegenation constitutional amendment. Like, this has happened forever. Yeah. Even before that, we have to understand that sports were used as a version of control from plantation times. Right. So, like, like that's what we act like. One of the only forms of expressionism the black slave had was like sports and like dance and like cooking food. Right. Well, like we've we, done this you forever. Can, you can go, <laughs> right. You can go back to the history of how baseball was segregated, mm. how professional baseball, professional baseball beat the United States of America to resegregation after the Civil War. And it was Liddy. Like. Major League Baseball's gentleman's agreement that did not break down until 1947 predated Plessy versus Ferguson. Sports have been used to oppress black people and to oppress black voices for the entire history of this country. And so, like, this, to Tyler's point about everybody kind of getting in on this now, like, Trump isn't new on this. Trump is a a louder, more bombastic— Assholish version of this. He's racism's Taylor Swift, dog. <laughs> <laughs> to, planta- to the t- plantation point. Taylor Swift. <laughs> to the plantation point that that Tyler made. Trump just a couple of days after saying the sons of a bitches comment said this. I think they're afraid of their players. You want to know the truth, and I think it's disgraceful. And they've got to be tough, and they've got to be smart. Hmm. What could he mean by that? I mean, you blacks got to stay in your place. <laughs> Played all the hits today. It's one of my favorite songs. I mean, again, it, it, I, th- I think and this, this kind of goes into the way that we see it as, as media members, right? If most of media is white and most of media doesn't understand what it actually feels like to not kind of be endowed by this country, right, and not have that those same privileges and just racially are, are not anything but white, mostly, we cannot understand that sports were made as evasive of control. It was made to, to kind of quell the urges of revolution in the black slave. That's the whole bit. It's nothing more than that. So we, we just find new ways to kind of say the same song, and they always chart well. Like, it's it's dope. Don't get me wrong. We ha- The country has to keep making its money off white supremacy. Yeah. But it's nothing. The bit's not new. All right. I want to sh- shift gears just, just a little bit. We're still talking about Donald Trump here. My um, guy. Shout oh out good, to him. Oh, good. Oh, good. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> Are we ever not? <laughs> but I, this is, I, I think, a very interesting moment in sports because – Years past, there has been a tradition. If you win a championship in your respective league, wherever you are, yeah. you get an invite to the White House, and you visit the White House. The South Carolina Gamecocks women's basketball team in April 
won the NCAA title. Shout out to Dawn Staley. The Dawn princess, Staley. The, the princess of North Philly. Shout out to Dawn Staley. We got I love billboards Dawn Staley. up for Dawn Staley. Respect the queen. Uh, Dawn Staley said as recently as September of 2017 that they had still not received an invitation from the White House and, quote, according to Dawn Staley, that in itself speaks volumes. Now, the White House did, in November, have the 2017 NCAA champions for equestrian, <laughs> rugby, women's rowing. They, shooting. They all came to the White House, mm. and they said that they had invited the South Carolina uh Lady Gamecocks. Uh, they waited till the till the Mayo. women's basketball season started. Yeah, yeah. yeah. they waited until the very end. And Dawn Staley said, "We will not be able to attend." Yeah, schedule dogs. So uh, we've seen that. We've seen what the Golden State Warriors said about uh, visiting the White House. They aren't going to do it. And then Donald Trump sort of lashed out and said that they're not going to get invited anyway. Uh, Lindsey Vaughn talked about in the Winter Olympics. She is not representing the president of the United States. She's uh, representing the people of the United States. So. Sports is a business. The people of the United States elected the president. Yeah, of the right. Yeah. Like, let's remember all of that is kind of corny. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, look, look, but like, like let's, it's, let's, it's dope, but it's also kind of super corny. Yeah. Sure, sure. But let me, let me. Sports are corny. A lot. Let, let me put it this way: sports are a business, and people, I think, in business, you've got to take some risks, and people are taking this risk that, like, we're not going to lose any advertisers, any support, any of this stuff by being against Donald Trump. How smart is that long term? Lindsay, I'll start with you. Whew, I don't know. I mean, look, it there there are sides here, right? Yeah, like yeah. there there's no more middle, right? People are trying to find that middle. They're hanging on to that middle and grasping onto it for dear life and they're finding out like it's not working, you know? Like this is the ultimate divider, right? Like there's nothing dull about this knife, you know? Like yeah. it's sharp and it's cutting us in half and you have to have a side right now and um almost having no side is having a side yeah. at this point. And that's honestly like there's a part of it that's refreshing, right? Like, just, like, you have to own this, and you need to, if, you, if you're not not supporting this, then you're supporting this. Yeah. And you need to be really clear with where you are and where you stand. And are there going to be consequences? Of course. There are always consequences. None of this is comfortable, nor is it supposed to be comfortable. Yeah. You know, I mentioned Don Staley. After they won the national championship and she was asked if they were going to go to the White House, she says, we will go if we're invited. Uh, it's what it stands for. It's what national champions do, and I don't know that we're at that point anymore. I don't. I mean, I, I, I just honestly don't know. I mean, I mean, we are like again. Can you respect the office without like like while disrespecting the president? Again, I mean, I think people forget the nuance here, mm -hmm. right? Like it's like, oh my god, either you going or you ain't, and you bad if you. I mean, like that's corny, right? Like. You, there's nuance here. Sure. If Dawn Staley, who has waited all of her life yeah. to have this moment, who's lost it three times, says, Ayo, we finna go to the White House, and we're and we going to talk that stick talk when we get there, but we going to go. All right, dog, that's fine. Like, right. like, that's fine. Like, the difference here is not when black people say, oh, my God, we're going to go, as they've already made it clear that they have an issue with racism because it's all, right. you know, plagued them for their entire lives. It's when white people who have made racism and can reverse racism and can reverse most of anything in this world, say, all right, dog, we going to go, but, like, ain't no politics here. Yeah. Dog, you literally at the White House. Yeah. 
it's politics no matter what you do like I was at the White House uh, when the Penguins came October 13th or 12th or whatever day in October it was and I talked to Mike Sullivan the head coach of the Penguins and he was like I asked him, I was like, hey, man, you can say this is in politics as much as you want, but you're on political ground. Like, and at, this, at a point, you're going to become complicit in this because you keep dismissing the notion. Like, it'd be different if it's like, hey, man, this is political because you're here. And he's like, yeah, you're right, but we're not going to play into that. Instead, he's like, nah, nah, nah. That's, that's what you say. We don't see it that way. All right, dog, Stevie Wonder can see it that way. Like, <laughs> figure it out. Come on. Come on. The, we we know Stevie Wonder because Stevie, Stevie ain't blind. We just had a right. Stevie Wonder the biggest uh, protest of the year. Truther the, conspiracy theory. The most meaningful theory. of these protests real of too. the year, I think, was not the boycotts on the White House. It was LeBron deciding not to stay at the hotels. Okay, um, let's talk about that. Yes. I'm and glad you brought that up. Assen- like essentially got like Trump's name taken off a hotel. Yeah, and LeBron, look, LeBron James is the most powerful man in America. Yeah, yeah, like it's without the nukes, yeah. Well, without right, the nukes. Right. <laughs> um, Thanks for that reminder. And, Thanks for that reminder. Yeah, good morning. Um, uh, LeBron, I mean, from the you bum tweet to, which is the, it's the single that greatest insult. Great, greatest tweet yeah. of 2017. Oh, yeah. Greatest right. sports tweet of 2017. Um, I had better tweets, dog. No, you didn't. <laughs> you have never had a good tweet. Um, <laughs> there are no good tweets, but but, <laughs> but that was, yeah. was good. Fair. But then going and saying, I'm not staying at this hotel, and Trump won't go after it mm. because LeBron's hitting Trump where it matters. Yeah, right. And the only place it matters to him, yeah, which is in his pocketbooks and in his his image of you know this big building in New York that has his name on it or whatever. And I think this that's the thing. I mean, we saw baseball players. Uh, I think Adrian Gonzalez was yes. one during the campaign quit staying at this hotel. And those things are the, I think, more so than not going to the White House. Those kind of, we're going to ruin your money. Yeah. Is, that's what he really cares about. And I think no, he's actually legit scared of LeBron. Yeah. I get that. I think I, he, he worries about, like, LeBron is... Well, A, I don't think he's going to go at the NBA either because his base just doesn't like the NBA. But. Yeah, right. They are, they are, yeah, exactly. <laughs> the NBA fake likes black people, so he don't really need to worry about that. that much. <laughs> so. Well, uh, on the NBA, I, I think that the NBA does have uh, allow room for its players to say these, like say things that are anti-Trump or stand up for certain things and stand up for certain rights. That's because they have to. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I want to get into that. They don't even have to, honestly, to me. I mean, I mean, to me in all of this, the NBA is the well-meaning white moderate of the whole thing. Okay. I've talked to you about this before you because have. because I've I am not I, a fan of the NBA I quickly stances came, on all of I quickly this. came out and gave Greg Popovich a pat on the back whenever he was like the guy to be the most vocally anti-Trump guy uh in sports. Yeah. And uh you smacked me down over that. Yeah, Greg's dope. Like Greg Popovich is dope. Like, but like I just don't care what Greg Popovich has to say being anti-Trump. I care more about what his players who actually have to, you know, feel what's going yeah. on and feel these policies yeah. have to say. He's a coach. Sure. His status is not going to go anywhere. He's a white man in America. His status is not going to go anywhere. I want to hear from Deontay Murray, who's 22 years old and is on a rookie deal. I want to hear from the other black players who are actually affected by this in, in a way that they might not have been under different policies, right? But, like, me for the NBA, and, and similar to LeBron, too, is that the NBA has a weird version of what they consider activism. Um, the NBA likes to talk a really dope game. But the NBA doesn't really do like the NBA is not going to kneel because they feel as though they're partners with ownership. And that's not true because Donald Sterling would tell you that that's not true. Yeah. I don't know if the reason they don't kneel is because they feel like they're partners with ownership. What do you think it is? 
I think the NBA. I think a lot of the guys in the NBA feel like they have. They are a little bit farther. Like they don't have to tell their their fans and their audience exactly what Colin Kaepernick had to tell NFL fans and, and the NFL audience. I don't think you're wrong. I think people like. I think the NBA players get like we've already started having that convert. Like we're a little bit farther along in the conversation with our fans. Uh, if that makes sense, it does. But I think it's still wrong because it assumes that, you're, like, your fans are cool. Like they, like we, like it, it assumes that you did the homework. But like, we don't have to go over it, yeah. right? Like, like that's not good enough to me. Like NBA players kind of feeling as though their audience is dope enough, and this is a partnership with the people that they're playing with, and like everybody can kind of get where they're coming from. Doesn't actually mean you don't need to make a statement beyond the words that you're making. Sure, some of them are doing the same level of grassroots activism. Draymond Green is working with Rise, and other Carl uh, Anthony Towns is doing things at the same time. Like players are doing stuff, but I think what we've learned in the last two years is we have to always learn again is that. People don't see the little stuff. Right. I need you to use your exact direct national television platform to let white people know something they don't know before, or at least remind them. So I love the NBA, and I hate the NBA for, at the same time for that. We have two minutes left, and in those two minutes, I want to go around and ask all three of you what the most important sports story of 2017 was. And I I, I know what mine is, but uh, Lindsay, I'll start with you. What's your most important sports story of 2017? Oh, geez. I should have been prepared for this question, don't you think? <laughs> <laughs> I really, really should have. Um, I I think it's got to be the, these – I mean, it's it's what we've been talking about. Yeah. Uh, unfortunately, I mean, there's, there's a lot more to it and there's a lot more nuance than these Fox News headlines would, of course, like you to believe. But this athlete's once again continuing to find – I find their voice sounds corny and also like it implies that they've been silent all along, which we know there's always been incredible activism in sports. But the empowerment that I'm seeing from athletes, especially from young athletes, especially from female athletes, because that's where I like to study a lot of this and the ongoing trend of them speaking out about politics. The WNBA, every every day I was in that locker room and with the Washington Mystics, I covered every home game. They would all talk about politics to me every single time. They would bring it up, you know, to be covered. And that to me matters. We've got about 30 seconds left. Your your biggest sports It's the protest. It's the protest. It's Joel Embiid up. So, there you come go. on. <laughs> I mean, gang, gang, gang. Shout out Philadelphia. There you go. Or Philly. Gang, gang. Joel Embiid. Trust the process. I, I Thank you all three of you for coming in. Tyler Times from SB Nation. Blech. Lindsey Gibbs from Think Progress. Travis Waldron from Huffington Post. I think that's a pretty good encapsulation of the sports <laughs> stories of 2017. It was a lot of Kaepernick and a lot of protest. Uh, thanks for watching the Bill Price Show. It's Christmas week. We are off, and we've got lots of uh, more special programming for you all throughout the week. Download our podcast, search for the Bill Press Show on iTunes, and remember to rate, review, and subscribe. This is the Bill Press Show.